notes in front of you. We're going to finish the sermon. I think I started a couple weeks ago when I talked about faith, the foundation of the worshipful Christian life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 7 to 11. I think you probably already read that. And, and we talk about discipline that God brings into our life. And he says there in, in, in that text in verse 8 or verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it was best to them, but he disciplines for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It seems difficult. <clears throat> so the foundation of a worshipful Christian life, the foundation of being able to say, yes, I, I will obey God, is faith. Because often <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. Often what's going on and believing God's word doesn't make sense. And especially when we're feeling discomfort. One of those discomforts can be from chastening, but that's not the only reason we can go through discomfort. There can be a lot of reasons. And, I, and I've been talking about the reasons that we can go through discomfort. <clears throat> and then how, how do we respond to that? What is, our, what is our response to the discomfort? A lot of people, when they go through discomfort, they, they get mad at God. They get angry at God. They, they turn on God. They say, God hasn't been fair with me. God hasn't treated me right. And if that's the way it is, I serve God and this is how I get treated. I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to quit church. I'm going to go do my own thing. And faith says that I will believe God's word no matter what my senses may make me feel or think. Faith says I believe God's word no matter what my senses may make me feel or think. So, <clears throat> wow. When we have that kind of faith, it allows us to worship. And I, I taught you, I think, two weeks ago that worship is the word, the Greek word, to kneel toward. It's proskuneo. Kaneo uh, is the word kneel. Kaneo. We don't say the K in English. We would say kneel. But in the Greek, they said the K, and it's kaneo. And pros means toward or forward. And kineo means to kneel. So you kneel forward or you kneel in front of or you kneel toward. And that's the word for worship. It's kneeling. It's it's worshiping is saying, I I look at you as my master. I, I worship you. I look at you as my Lord. I worship you. And that's a lot easier said than done when I'm going through discomfort. But if we're truly going to be worshipful, if we're truly going to be kneeling before God, in not just physically but spiritually, we have to have faith. And one of the most difficult things we go through with faith <clears throat> is what happens when we go when, when we hurt. What happens with pain? What happens when we're going through difficulty? And so I've been looking at different reasons why we can go through pain. <clears throat> and I think Seth will put the review slide up here. Uh, the first one was discipline. We can go through pain when God's disciplining us. We can go through pain when God's pruning us. Now, that's another reason we go through pain. God is pruning away things in our lives that are not evil, potentially, or not even bad, 
God says that any vine that bears fruit, he prunes it. So it's a good vine, it's bearing fruit, but he prunes what's old and dead and not as important so that new and fresh can grow. <clears throat> we, we can go through pain because of someone else's sinful behavior. Um, someone else sins and, and, and it causes us discomfort. If you're a child that grew up like my wife did in an alcoholic home, she went through a lot of pain as a child because of the dysfunctional family, the simple family, the alcoholic father, the divorce, the adultery. She went, she went through as a child growing up in that home. wasn't her sin at all, and yet she was visited <coughs> by that sin. <clears throat> I use the word stupidity for number four. Uh, my wife probably would prefer if I said foolishness. She doesn't like me to use the word stupid, but sometimes... It, is, it really is foolish or stupid. Um, and we go through pain because we made a poor choice. And then it can be a whole bunch of poor choices we make. You know, we made a poor choice to buy a car that was someone was suckering us in to buy a car. And, 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 we, and we, well, so how did God let this happen? Well, God doesn't make you be wise. God, God, God allows you to make foolish choices so you learn from them. Um, it, it can be in buying a home. It can be in a job choice, it can be in a car choice, it can be in health choices. I mean, the list just can go on and on of foolish choices I make, and it's not God necessarily chastening me or someone else's. I just make foolish choices, and I use the the verse of, of Satan tempting Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple and, and to try to get God to prove that he would save him, right? And and yet, you know, that would have been a foolish choice, and and. Jesus' response is, it's not, you don't test the Lord your God. So in other words, you don't, you don't do something foolish, uh, pay overpay for a car, and then expect God to bail you out of it any more than you would jump off the pinnacle of the temple and expect God to bail you out of it. it, it it's not that way. It, it's not that way. Sometimes I go through discomfort because I made a foolish choice. <clears throat> Sometimes it's just the general effects of sin. Um, I'm walking a lot over here and I walk in boots and I have orthotics in the bottom of my shoes and, and the government gave me those because of my plantar fasciitis and I'm just getting older. I, I'm getting older. My eyesight isn't as good. It's not that God's chastening me. It's not that uh, someone else did something evil or I've been foolish or, or stupid. It's just I live, in an, I live in a body that is under the effects of sin. All of creation is under the effects of sin. And sometimes it's just the effects of sin in my life. I may have sinned. Some people sinned before they accepted Christ and their their lifestyle, uh, whether it was alcohol or, or sexuality uh, outside of marriage. And, and they're saved and they've been saved for many years, but there's effects of sin because of what they did before they got saved. Again, not God chastening them. It's just the effects of sin. And then, and then the last point I made is sometimes God allows us to be uncomfortable to create a desire in us to be with Christ. <clears throat> and I mentioned just some of the aches and pains of getting older. I'll be 60 come August and, um, you know, you just start getting older. And I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I really feel it over here um, because the last time I deployed was 10 years ago. And, and I mentioned recently to a couple senior leaders here who are much younger than me, they're by same rank, but they're, seven, eight years younger than I am. They're just hitting their 50s. And um, <clears throat> they're running and doing all this stuff. And it was like, yep, 
I did that when I was 50, 51, and at 59, I'm not doing that anymore. Knee surgery and other issues, and no, I, I don't do that anymore. And I just told him, I said, of all the decades that I've experienced so far, it was the 50s when I really noticed my energy level going down. I really noticed things starting to catch up with me, and I can remember how much more energy I had 10 years ago when I deployed uh, in 2013 than it is 2023. And so sometimes that just creates in you, you realize you're getting older, and you it creates a desire to be with Christ. You have difficulty, spiritual, emotional, physical, and and in a Christian, it's like, Lord, I, I just, I look forward to being with you. So those are the first <clears throat> six <clears throat> that I gave you. But now let's look at number seven, if you're taking notes with me. A seventh reason that I can go through difficulty, go through discomfort, which I have to respond biblically to. I have to respond biblically because if I don't, then I'm not exercising faith. And if I don't exercise faith, then I won't have a worshipful life because I will doubt the goodness of God. When I don't exercise faith, I'm buying into Satan's line. God isn't good. God isn't kind. God isn't loving. And I can't worship a God who isn't good, isn't kind, isn't loving. I can't worship that God. But when I go through difficulty, when I go through discomfort, that's when I lose faith and I lose the ability to worship <clears throat> because I don't think God is good, God isn't kind, and God isn't loving. Number seven, reorienting me to, to that which is eternally important. So God could let me go through difficulty in order to reorient me to that which is eternally important. Paul says in Philippians 3, 1 to 9, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. In other words, it's not a bother. But for you, it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit uh, and rejoicing in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. But what things, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And now he's going to give, Paul's going to give us all the things that are temporal, temporal important, this earth important that he thought were really important when he was younger, but now he realizes ah, they're not so important. He says, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which in the law blameless. And then he reorients through all the difficulty he went through, the beatings and the stonings and the deprivations it reoriented him to those things which are internally important. He reoriented to, okay, eight-day eight circumcised tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, PhD. I used to think that was important, but through Christ and through the difficulties of serving Christ, I have been reoriented to that which is eternally important. He says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered, suffered, suffered. He went through difficulty. He went through pain. He went through hurt. He suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then, then he goes on to say, excuse me, I lost my place here in my, in my um, he says, which is from God by faith. I just lost my, lost my place in my slide deck because I'm going through it. So what is Paul telling me? <clears throat> Paul is telling me that, listen, I can, I may go through discomfort. Paul went through all kinds of discomfort. We don't, I don't have to detail all that for you. Most of you would know that. <clears throat> that discomfort, you're going to say, why did God put one of his choice servants through all that discomfort? Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. He said, all the things I thought that were important, I've lost them. I've been reoriented to those things which are absolutely and eternally most important. See, sometimes we go through difficulty and pain. What God is trying to do is reorient us to that which is eternally important and, and forgetting the things that are so temporally important that we think, oh, how could I do without this? How could I do without that? And God is just reorienting me. And sometimes we'll get mad. We go, ah, if God's going to treat me like that. If God's going to let that happen to my kids, if God's going to let that happen to my family, forget God. I'm out of here. I know lots of people that have done that. You know lots of people that have done that. Maybe even some of your kids have done that. Maybe friends have done that. Maybe former members of Littleton Baptist Church have done that. <clears throat> Years ago, I knew two families <clears throat> when I was a child in Tri-City. One family is the family of my very best friend who I went and preached his 35th anniversary of him founding Northwest Valley Baptist Church. And these two families were in our church <clears throat> and my parents had my younger brother and these two boys, these three boys were all the same age. And when the family that was my best friend's family, their son at the age of five got cancer. <clears throat> Within a year, he died of brain cancer. The other family had a son about the same age, got leukemia. And their sons died very close within six months of each other. They both went to the church. <clears throat> they were both in the church when I was in the church. But one family, my best friend's family, the mom and dad said, okay, this is uncomfortable. We lost our son. This is horrible. I can't imagine of anything worse than this. But they said, we're going to trust God. Their one daughter is married to a seminary professor today. Their son is a pastor of a huge church that he founded. <clears throat> the other daughter faithfully attends her church. Her, her husband died <clears throat> himself of brain cancer after having three children. Yet she is faithful in her church, takes her children who are now in their teen years and early adulthood. They, they go to church. <clears throat> three godly kids. The other family got mad at God, stopped coming to church. Mom and dad got divorced. Kids went every which way. Years later, I found out that one of the young ladies that was about my age in that, in that family had, had gotten into drugs and prostitution. The children were a mess. The parents were a mess. And it all happened 
these two families in the same church had children die of horrible cancers within six months of each other. And, and one family said, we will trust God and we will continue to have faith in God and we will worship God. And we will accept that he's reorienting us to something more eternally important. And the other family said, we're angry at God, we're bitter at God, we're mad at God. The parents said that and it wrecked the whole family. <clears throat> I can go through discomfort because God is trying to reorient me to that which is eternally important <clears throat> that I don't see. <clears throat> Number eight. Number eight. Why can I why can I go through discomfort and how does that happen? Number eight, it's so that I can learn the sufficiency of God's grace. So that I can learn <clears throat> the sufficiency of God's grace. <clears throat> Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. <clears throat> and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> Another reason God may let you go through discomfort is so that you can learn the sufficiency of God's grace. A lot of <clears throat> ink has been spilt over what people have thought about this thorn in the flesh. What was it? Some people have said maybe it was his eyesight went bad because <clears throat> he talks about writing in large letters. I think, however, if you understand that there were actually four epistles to the Corinthians, when you count how Paul frames his discussions, Seems like there were two others we don't have. The second Corinthians was the fourth. This was his problem church. He spent more time writing to them. Uh, I preached through second Corinthians toward the end of my time at Tri-City on Sunday nights. I, I, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 sermons through second Corinthians. And the pathos, the, the transparency of Paul's writing to this church. And, and he had people that hated him in that church. These are people that he brought them the gospel. He spent 18 months in that city and they, they attacked him and they critiqued him and they criticized him and they were looking for arrows to throw at him. And it, it was constant uproar in the church because of people causing difficulty for Paul and criticizing him for this and criticizing for that. I firmly believe that the thorn in the flesh was the, were the critics of Paul in that church. They were the critics against the ministry. They, they criticized Paul. The context of this in the scope of the book of 2 Corinthians makes that the most likely um, of interpretations. doesn't have to be because Paul is not specific, <clears throat> but he loved this church and he loved these people and they critiqued him and critiqued him and drew people away from listening to him by their critique and their undermining of his ministry. <clears throat> but Paul says, okay, God, if my understanding of the text is God would remove those critics. So he said, God just tells me my grace is sufficient for you are weak. You do make mistakes, Paul, but you know what? I'm going to boast in those weaknesses. They attack my weaknesses. They attack my infirmities. They attack that I'm not perfect. They attack 
how I speech, how I speak. And he said, so I'm just going to take pleasure in my infirmities, in the reproaches, in my need, in my persecutions, in my distresses, for I am weak, <clears throat> then I am strong. You know, sometimes God gives us difficulties. God gives us physical infirmities, emotional difficulties, family difficulties. So we learn the sufficiency of God's grace. My grace is sufficient. <clears throat> Number nine, <clears throat> to understand Christ in a better way. Sometimes the only way you can understand Christ is by fellowshipping with him in his sufferings. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, that's the word experiential knowledge, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may experience him in the power. Of, that's all great. Yeah, know the power of his resurrection. Who doesn't want to know that? Huh. But then the next two, knowing him, yay, power of his resurrection, yay. Those are great. The last two are the fellowship of his sufferings and conformed to his death. Not many people want to fellowship with his sufferings. Not many people want to be conformed to his death. You know, when you go through discomfort, when you go through loss, when you go through unfair criticism, you are never more like Christ than when you go through loss. He lost Judas Iscariot. You're never more like Christ than when you go through unfair criticism. Christ's whole life was spent being unfairly criticized. You cannot understand Christ in a better way unless you go through difficulties because he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. When I, when I go through difficulty, I understand Christ. I'm, I'm conformed to his death and I fellowship in his sufferings. <clears throat> what, a, what a tremendous blessing. What a tremendous blessing. And instead, sometimes when people go through difficulty, they get mad at God and upset at God and the church treated me wrong or somebody treated, God wasn't fair to me. I tithed the church and then my wife got sick and died or my, my children went away from God and I served faithfully. I came to church, I tithed. And that's what, forget God, I'm out of here. <clears throat> when really God was trying to help them understand Christ in a better way because when I walk in the steps of the Savior, I will go through difficulty because he went through difficulty. When I walk in the steps of the Savior, I will go through loss because he went through loss. Understanding Christ in a better way. <clears throat> Number 10, and I know I must hurry, responding biblically to the word no. <clears throat> wow, this is a toughie. God may let me go through difficulty so I know learn how to respond biblically to the word no. <clears throat> says when he came to the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation when he was drawn from them by the stone's throw he knelt and prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done then the angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like bright drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he arose from prairie and came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes we learn <clears throat> to respond biblically to the word no. 
Christ heard his father say, no, you must go to the cross. Father, <clears throat> is there any way this cup can be taken from me? Then he responded biblically to the word no. We go through discomfort because God is teaching us that his yes or his no is always better than our yes. Let me say that again. Often God is teaching us that his no is always better than our yes. I think <clears throat> many of you remember several months ago before my father died, uh, my daughter was expecting. She was finishing off her first trimester and, and the child died. <clears throat> and then through that process, my daughter almost died. She was bleeding out and she coded. <clears throat> it was a very, very close situation for her after the child died. That was very, very difficult. We were looking forward to it, her having a third child, having five wills. We have four. <clears throat> and to have five, we were excited. And she lost the child. Dad died. <clears throat> My mom almost died before I came here. And at, <clears throat> at Christmas time, when we went home at Christmas, um, our Christmas present was my daughter saying she was pregnant again. And we were excited. <clears throat> and I've been deployed and she and I have been going back and forth. And <clears throat> she's gotten great ultrasounds. And we were coming up on the 14th week, which was last week. And that was the week that the other child had died. And this week, my daughter went in for her appointment and texted me. This child was dead as well. She texted me and she said, Dad, she said, the words you never want to hear from your doctor. We have no heartbeat in your child. <clears throat> and I had one of my fellow chaplains in the room. We were talking about something else in my office, and I got the text, and I just started to weep. And he prayed with me and sat with me. <clears throat> and my daughter went on to the text, and she said, we've been praying that whether our child's life by death or by life, would glorify God. And she said, if this is how God is glorified by our child's death, then she said, while it hurts, we will respond to that the way God would have us. <clears throat> I use that illustration today at the close in my sermon on what it means to know Christ as your Savior because you can have two children die in nine months and still say, I want to glorify God by responding biblically to God's word no, because I know God's word no is always better than my yes. <clears throat> the power of my daughter's faith and my daughter's life, six people said, yes, I want, I want the same faith your daughter has. And six people accepted Christ. I texted my daughter after the service and said, I, I shared your story. I hope you don't mind. But six people accepted Christ today after hearing your story. And she texted back and she said, Dad, and that makes it all worth all the pain, 
all the hurt, all the loss. She said, if six people are going to be in heaven one day with me, then that's worth it. <clears throat> you know, biblically responding to the word no, God can allow us to go through difficulty simply so we can learn to respond to the word no. Then lastly, and I'm done this morning, <clears throat> God has a better plan for you. Number 11, God simply has a better plan for you. And it's difficult, but God has a better plan for you. We read about the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, and it says he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is in it with me in the house, and he has committed all things to my hand. This is Potiphar's wife going after Joseph, right? And, and he says, how can I do this great wickedness? She kept asking him and asking him, sleep with me, sleep with me. And he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Jonas day by day that he did not heed her. I mean, she spoke to him over and over and over again. But it happened when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment. Lie with me. He fled. And he ran outside, and when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, he fled outside. <clears throat> and then she concocts the story that he had tried to sleep with her as opposed to her with him. And the story is a lie, of course. And 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 he goes through discomfort. He gets thrown in jail. He he meets the the baker, right? You remember that whole story? God had a better plan for him. So that 20 years later, when his brothers come to him in the famine, he can say to them, God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He responded biblically to the abandonment by his brothers, the slavery in Potiphar's house, by, by still responding biblically, by saying no to Potiphar's wife, to enduring prison. And he still believed that God had a better plan for him because God had promised him in his dreams what his future was. Sometimes I can go through difficulty because I do what's right and God has a better plan for me. And I have to accept that in faith. That doesn't mean the difficulty and the hurt isn't real any more than my daughter's hurt or our hurt real after having a second child die. It's, it's extremely real. <clears throat> I said today I was walking on her base after I heard that and I thought, I was thinking and I said, well, now I have three dead grandchildren and four living grandchildren. And it was almost as if the Holy Spirit said to me, Mike, you have three living grandchildren with me and you have four living grandchildren with you because your three grandchildren with me are every bit as alive as the four grandchildren that are with you. And you'll see them one day. Wow. God has a better plan. <clears throat> Faith is the foundation of a worshipful Christian life. <clears throat> if I'm truly going to worship, I have to believe in faith when I'm uncomfortable that God is doing something in my life. It could be discipline. It could be pruning. It could be there because someone else's sinful behavior. It could be my own foolishness. It could be the effects of sin. It could be God wants me to have a deeper desire to be with him. It could be reorienting me to that which is eternally important. It could be learning the sufficiency of God's grace. It could be understanding Christ in a deeper and better way. It could be learning how to accept no. Or it could be God has a better plan 
for you. <clears throat> wow. Those are some difficult lessons for us to learn, but as we mature as Christians, if we can't learn to walk in faith when we're uncomfortable, we will never worship. Because we cannot worship a God who isn't good, isn't kind, and isn't loving. And through discomfort, Satan will attack us to make us think that God is not good, that God is not kind, and that God is not loving. I trust as we've looked at faith as the foundation of a worshipful Christian life, it's let you look at that in a, in a, in a reflective manner. What is God doing in my life? How is God using this discomfort? Is it any of these 11? Might it be something else for sure? But we're on this list. Could God be using this discomfort in my life? And I'm not going to lose faith. And I'm still going to believe in him. And I'm still going to worship him. And I'm still going to say glory to God.